Hi again, everyone. Happy Wednesday. This is our third and final video in the Failure to Launch series. In last week's video, I taught you the difference between a believer and a disciple. Those are very, very important differences. And most people would categorize themselves as a believer, but I think they're a little bit more than believers, but not quite disciples. I told you at the end of the session last week that if you are going to make the choice to follow Jesus Christ, it will cost you something. It will cost you everything. So if you have made a choice to rededicate your life to the Lord, or if you've discovered that you really didn't have salvation, please let me know. I'd like to hear those stories. In this week's session, we're gonna discuss some things that are unique between God and his disciples. So turn with me to Psalm 49, verse 3, and I want to read this to you from the New King James Version, but understand that I'm going to be using a lot of Greek words today, and those come from the King James Version. Strong's Concordance only translated the Greek and Hebrew in the King James Version, and so I do have to flip-flop back and forth between what you read in the New King James and what the word actually means, and that, of course, is presented by the King James Version of the Bible. So here we go, Psalm 49, verse three. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. The psalmist says, my mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I told you last week that a lot of people don't feel comfortable understanding and hearing the voice of God. And I've been there too. I also gave you a little formula of how it worked for me. Of course, God can't be put in a box and you don't have to have a formula for how to hear his voice, but that is what worked for me. So I hope that you took what I taught you and went to the Lord about it. And I hope that you've applied it or that you're hearing his voice in some other way. That's totally fine. The point is I want you to hear his voice and he wants you to hear his voice. But in Psalm 49, three, we see that it's the meditation of our hearts, the meditation of the psalmist's heart that gives understanding. And so what we find is this word for meditation. The word for, word for meditation is exactly the same root word as the word for meditation or meditate in Joshua 1.8. What's also interesting about this is the word mouth in Psalm 49.3 is the Hebrew word peh, P-E-H, and it means the mouth of one kind of in a in the notion of a kiss. In other words, the mouth of one close to the mouth of the other like this with no room in between for a third person. That's how close God wants to be to you, giving you mouth to mouth, kissing you on the mouth, transferring his breath from his mouth into your mouth, into your stomach. That's what that means. So his mouth will provoke your mouth and your mouth will then speak of wisdom and then the meditation of your heart will give understanding. This word meditate, remember, it means to mutter. It means to take the word of God and go over it and over it and over it in your mouth. In other words, the same place that you worry when you are in your mind worrying about something and it kind of comes out of your mouth and because you're thinking out loud, that's how you meditate on the word of God. You take a scripture and you think and think and think about it and then you mutter it out of your mouth consistently. And remember in Joshua 1, 8, 9, it says that the teaching will not depart from my mouth, will not depart from your mouth. 
right? God says it will not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you might observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, if you saw my lessons on Joshua series, you understand that First of all, the New King James Version, which I just put on the screen, does not say the book of the teaching. It says this book of the law. But the, the book of the teaching, that phrase comes from the Hebrew version of the Old Testament, what is called the Tanakh. It's phrased, this book of the teaching. I like that a lot better, actually, because it gets me out of thinking that the Word of God is a law. And I need that. I don't know if you need that, but I need that. And then the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew Scriptures in Greek, actually says that if you meditate in Joshua 1, 8, 9, it says if you meditate in the Word, then you'll understand how to do everything that's written in the Word of God. So it's this meditating, it's this muttering the Word of God out of your own mouth that gives you wisdom. You know, one of my pastors actually spoke to this. He said that understanding is the bridge between knowledge and wisdom. In other words, you get knowledge in, that's the Word of God in, and then wisdom is the Word of God out, and they go through understanding. So you get knowledge in, it goes through understanding in your mind, and when it's acted on or spoken, that's wisdom. That's the Word of God out. And so what we find is that, remember, in Psalm 49.3, the mouth of the Lord is so close to yours that there's no room for anybody else in between, okay? It's a very passionate, very intimate notion. And because there's this intimate exchange, then what comes out, what is being muttered from your mouth is the word of God that was put in. And when that happens, wisdom will come out of your mouth and it will come into your life. So that is the first step in walking as a disciple once you have learned how to hear the Word of God, which I told you last week. Again, if you didn't watch that video, please go back and watch session two of Failure to Launch, and you'll understand what worked for me and how to hear the voice of God. That may not be how God wants you to hear His voice or how He wants to teach you to hear His voice. Please, please, please ask Him to show you what He has for you individually and how He wants to teach you to hear His voice. God is not able to be put in a box. He's not able to be manipulated into a formula like some kind of, I don't know, algorithm, but please understand that he does want you to hear his voice and he has a unique plan for you. That is what's worked for me and I know that it's worked for a lot of people. God's been very gracious. So the next verses I want to talk to you about actually are in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 basically is the description of the fivefold ministry gifts. And I'm going to go ahead and read that from the New King James Version. Read along with me. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. So in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16, we see several things. There is so much to learn from these verses, but I'm just going to very lightly touch on these verses right now. First of all, we see that God has put gifts in the body of Christ so that they can equip the saints. This is my job as a teacher. Sometimes when I'm sent, that's when I'm an apostle. As a preacher, as an evangelist, um, these gifts were given by God to equip the body of Christ. And the reason that the body of Christ needs to be equipped, it says, is because for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Now, we all know that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, meaning, and I discussed this on the very first video of Failure to Launch, so please refer to that if you want some more insight, meaning that when we meet anybody, we are supposed to reconcile them to God. We're supposed to listen to the voice of God in our hearts and and then move on that person and say, hey, listen, the Lord of creation, the one who made you wants to talk to you about spending eternity with him and making your life better and making it count for something here on this earth. What do you say? Do you want to talk about it now? Don't do it that way. Do it however God tells you. That's just how I have done it sometimes. And we are responsible as members of the body of Christ to work in the ministry. And then the full ministry, of course, is the ministry of reconciliation. Everything else, every other gift supports this one ultimate ministry goal. My gifting, my teaching gift is for the equipping of the saints. In other words, I can and I have and I will continue to evangelize people when there is no one evangelizing them, when God moves on my heart, whatever. But generally, that's not the call on my life. The call on my life is to be a teacher of the gospel to people who are already saved, who already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like Billy Graham, he was an evangelist, okay? Reinhard Bonnke was an evangelist, plus he was also um, in gifts of healing ministry, and he had lots of influence and apostleships and all this, but he generally wasn't um, a teacher. Like Todd White, Todd White has the gift of healing and he has a healing ministry, but I wouldn't say that he necessarily has a teaching ministry. I do think that the Lord uses him to teach and to preach and to evangelize, but I wouldn't say that that is his strongest gift. So all of these people that I've mentioned, Joyce Meyer, she has a gift of teaching. All of these people that I've mentioned, they are sent by God as gifts to the general body of Christ so that they might equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. So what happens is that at the end of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, we find out that the whole body has to come into a unity of understanding, a unity of the faith, okay, because of what every joint supplies. So when people fail to launch, when they don't understand what their part in the body of Christ is, when they are not doing their part for the ministry of reconciliation, then the body is lacking. You have heard that statement that you're only as good, a chain is only as good as its weakest link. Well, that's exactly the notion we get here in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, is that if certain links aren't supplying what they're supposed to, then the whole chain is weaker because of that. 
So that's why I'm discussing with you the failure to launch. If you're a Christian, if you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I trust that you've examined your heart for that, and only you and God know that, and you know that he's been provoking you to do more, to be what he called you to be, and you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, what did I tell you last week? I told you that Jesus said in John 8, 31, that you have got to be a disciple by continuing in his word. And so these are the areas that people miss it. They don't feel comfortable hearing the voice of God and moving and acting on that voice of God. So they pay the professional Christians with their tithes and offerings to hear the voice of God for them. And this is wrong. God feels very offended at that. So the next verse and set of verses I want to talk to you about are in Hebrews. And this will prove out what I'm saying to you, where God is on this, where God is in his heart on people who have developed a relationship with him, but have gone little further than salvation. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. I'll put it on the screen. You read along. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what we find in Hebrews is that Paul, or we assume Paul, we don't actually know who wrote Hebrews, is writing to the Jews and he's saying, you should be teachers. You have been equipped enough, you've got enough teaching that you should be teaching more people in the body of Christ, yet you're only drinking milk and not solid food. Now, first of all, if you've ever been around children or seen children in public, babies I mean, infants, or have had children of your own, you know that there is a stage where they cannot feed themselves. They have got to first have milk because they can't digest anything else. And second, the milk that they do have to have has to be held up for them or dispensed some way by an adult by or by a, a functioning human. I mean, I've seen kids give babies bottles, but that's not what I'm talking about. It has to be held by someone else. So basically, the person who's feeding the infant is doing all of the work, if you will. Okay, yes, the infant is sucking and, and taking in, but the one who's feeding and holding the bottle and this and that, who's prepared the milk, they're doing all the work. And that's the same way that the body of Christ is, is that so many people are allowing the spiritually mature to do the work of holding the bottle, preparing the meal, and feeding it to the little baby Christians who are like 40 years old. And that's not where God wants you. In Hebrews, you can tell he is rebuking the people who are in the body of Christ that behave this way. He says that solid food, that meat belongs to those who are of full age, who have exercised the word of God, basically is what he's saying. He's saying that you have taken the word of God and you said, okay, this is what God says about this situation. Now I'm faced with this situation. So I'm going to exercise the word of God toward this situation. Let's take healing, for instance. Lots and lots and lots of people show up at healing evangelist meetings because they want some healing evangelist that comes through town to lay hands on them and to, to cure them from whatever sickness they're experiencing at that time. 
And so they don't want to do the work, but by God, they'll get up and they'll drive an hour and a half or two hours or five hours or whatever to go see this healing evangelist. But if they would spend that time learning from the word of God and putting to use the word of God that he's given them, then the next time somebody gets sick, they don't have to spend all their time going to this healing evangelist. I'm not against healing evangelists. I'm not against Todd White. Please understand. The better way though is to exercise what the word of God says in your own life and for your own person, not to always have to rely on Todd White to come to town or Benny Hinn to come to town or whoever to come to town. You don't want to be reliant on somebody else because what happens if you're reliant on somebody else is that the devil will make sure that you are restricted from getting to that somebody else. If you are saying to yourself, I will only receive healing from this disease if Andrew Womack prays for me, I promise you that when you go to try to get Andrew Womack to pray for you, the devil will come against you with everything he has. Because why? Because you're not relying on whom the healing really comes from, Jesus Christ. And I love Andrew Womack. I listen to him all the time. But you don't always have to rely on Andrew Womack or Todd White or me or anybody that's spiritually more mature than you. God wants to grow you up and he wants you to exercise his word so that you become mature and you become a full age. Why does he want you to do this? Not only for yourself, but because of the abundant number of babies that are coming into the body. See, because the rest of the body, right, is supposed to be doing what they're doing by this ministry of reconciliation. They're supposed to be bringing disciples to the body of Christ. And until these Babies in Christ can learn to hold the bottle on their own, can learn to digest soft foods and then solid foods. They need assistance. They need help. And that is what the elders of the body of Christ are for. That's what the gifts that are placed in the body of Christ in the terms of apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that's what they're for. They're for equipping of the saints so that every joint can do what they're supplied to do, which is the ultimate goal of ministry of reconciliation. That's why the writer of Hebrews is getting on to his subject saying, you are taking advantage of the gifts that God has given you. And basically you're mooching and being lazy. You need to come to a point where you can be of service to the body of Christ too. And that's not what they're doing. And that's not what a lot of Christians are doing. And that's what I'm begging you earnestly with my whole heart to do. Let's look at our next set of verses. The next set of verses comes from Luke chapter 9 verse 41. Now let me just set the backstory for you just a little bit before you turn there. This is when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John and there was his disciples were at the bottom of the Mount of Transfiguration and there was this man who brought his son who had they say dropsy in the old King James um, we believe it's like epilepsy, epileptic fits, where he falls on the ground, foams at the mouth, freaks out, like gets real tense and all this. And so he brought his son to the disciples that were at the bottom, that weren't on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And Jesus and Peter, James, and John come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and they see the situation before them. This man says to Jesus, he says, I hope you can heal my son. I'm paraphrasing, please understand. He says, please heal my son. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. Please, if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus says to him, if I can do anything, if you can believe, for all things are possible to him who believes. And the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? And so Jesus gets the kid and he says, how long has he been like this? 
and uh, he tells him from birth and he and he casts out the demon and he goes but one of the things that you hear Jesus say like if you read this with a spiritual eye you can understand Jesus sentiment he says this in Luke chapter 9 verse 41 read along with me then Jesus answered and said O faithless and perverse generation how long shall I be with you and bear with you bring your son here you see Jesus was saying not he was not talking to the disciples in this moment he wasn't saying faithless and perverse generation because he had given them faith bible says that he's given to each man the measure of faith when they come into this into this relationship with god and they've received their relationship with him they've received salvation as it were and which is the, the disciples were in this situation with god they had a relationship with him they were not faithless they had the faith that God gave them. And I'll prove that in just a second. What he's doing, Jesus is sighing in this mo moment. And he's saying, faithless and perverse generation. In other words, this man is taking, the man that had his son is taking what Jesus said to him or what he's learned about Jesus and contorting it. He's saying, you're faithless because you have no faith that I can actually do something. And you're perverse because you're perverting the word of God. You're saying, if you can, and that's perverting the word of God. Not if you can, but since you can is what he should have said. Since you can heal him, heal him. Because my faith is not grown yet. And I do not have faith in these disciples of yours. That would have been a better use of his words, but no. So Jesus rebukes him. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with thee? Bring your son here. He doesn't like turn to the disciples and say, oh, faithless and perverse generation, and then turn back to the man and say, bring your son here. That's not what he's doing, okay? So the reason I know that he's not talking to the disciples is because of what I've just illustrated, but also because very many times Jesus says to the disciples, where is your faith? In other words, where is the faith I gave you? Imagine it like this. Say you give somebody $100 to go buy you something, and then they come back to you and they say, I couldn't buy you this thing that you gave me the money for because I don't have any money. And you say, well, where's the $100 that I gave you? In other words, that was the sufficient currency for you to purchase what I told you to purchase. In the same way is the faith that the disciples had been given is the sufficient currency for them to obtain what Jesus Christ told them to attain. And so many, many, many times Jesus Christ gets onto them and he says, where is your faith? He also says, oh, you have little faith. Now, I was raised to think that he was chiding them. He was like, oh, you have little faith. <laughs> kind of he is. But what he's not doing, stay with me here, this is going to get a little complicated, is he's not saying, oh, you of little faith, meaning, I don't know why I can't help you, oh, you of little faith. Because Jesus gave them faith, okay? And he said that if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and he made a big, big to-do about the fact that a mustard seed was very small. He said, if you had faith the size of the mustard seed, that you could move a mountain, right? You could uproot a tree, right? You can do anything that you speak as long as you believe that it will be done for you in your heart. And so he's not saying to them, oh, you have little faith and kind of getting after them because they have no faith. He's getting after them because they have faith because they have the amount of faith needed to do whatever it is they're trying to do. They have been given the little faith. 
He is reminding them of that. He's saying, oh, you of little faith. Remember, it could be said like this. Oh, you of mustard seed size faith. Why did you doubt? Meaning, I gave you the mustard seed size faith. I told you what you could do with it. You have it. Why would you doubt? And so people think about this wrong. I thought about it incorrectly myself. I thought that Jesus was asking them, saying, oh, you of little faith, kind of rolling in his eyes and, and brushing them off for not having any faith. But that's not the truth because it would be unfair of God to expect the disciples or anyone to do something that he has called and commanded them to do and then not give them the ability to do it. And then when they don't, question why they didn't. Does that make sense to you? I hope so. God doesn't do that. If he asks you to do something, he fully and entirely equips you to do it. And then because you are equipped to do it, he gets onto you if you do. So I hope this series has been enlightening for you. I think this is probably my most impactful series that I've done to date, Failure to Launch, because there are so many people that think that they're on the right track with God and they're not on any track at all. There are people who are saved and who do love God and who do want to do what he wants them to do. They have just been taught incorrectly. If you are either one of those people, here's what I say to you. If you think you're saved, but you haven't seen any change in your life, I would commission you to sit down with God when you get done watching this video if at all possible and say Lord did I really have a salvation experience and if I did show me how I am resisting what you want to do in my heart and show me how to fully walk in what you'd like to do in my heart and in my life Lord and completely submit to him if you are one of those who already believe that you are completely submitted to him but you really haven't done what I've mentioned in this video, you or in this video series, you haven't made disciples, you haven't baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have not taught other people what Jesus Christ has taught you, you don't think you can hear the voice of God, you're afraid to act out in the voice of God, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I would tell you, number one, most of all, thank God for your salvation. Number two, thank Him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive your baptism now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, I should say, and you're watching this video, then I'm going to speak this and you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, in Jesus' name. So all you have to do is reach out and receive that and you will hear your prayer language come onto you. It starts from down in here. You'll hear it even if it sounds like gibberish. It probably will sound like gibberish. And it might be the same word over and over and over. Speak it out of your mouth. And then the very first thing that's going to come is the devil's going to say, you didn't really get baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're making that language up. You just ignore him completely and continue to speak in your new tongue. If if his voice gets too loud, open your mouth and say, shut the hell up in the name of Jesus. That's how you handle the devil, period. So get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Start practicing on hearing the voice of God. And then you need to go to God and you need to say, Lord, show me what to do with this life that you've given me. Show me where I can supply to the body of Christ. Show me where I can grow up so I can eat solid food and I can do the right things that you've called and created me to do. All right, guys, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Remember to visit us on our Facebook page, WWW Ministries, on our Instagram, Waterwind Wine, and on our new website, waterwindwine.org. 
If you have any questions, please hit me up on our website or on our Facebook page and I will answer them. Remember that I love you and that Jesus loves you. Thank you.